0: hello bonsoir and welcome to the get french football news show i'm nathan staples and joining me this evening are eric Devin and rich allen don't we all love opening weekend full of promise and hope all to be crushed for some within a 90 minute spell but who gave a good account of themselves on the opening weekend and who will be looking to dip into their accounts themselves over the last few weeks of the transfer window all of that after your latest headlines Marseille kicked off the 2018-19 league uh, season in style as they thumped to lose 4-0 captain Dimitri Payet grabbed a double as we saw VAR's first correct involvement in French football this season on Saturday, a new-look Monaco impressed in their 3-1 win over Le Canary. Non struggled as Ronnie Lopez, Stefan Jovetic, and Radamel Falcao were all on point for Leonardo Jardim's very young side. In the multiplex, newcomers Neem caught the result of the weekend as they came from behind uh, behind back from behind at least 3-1 down with 10 men as well to win 4-3 over Angers. While League 2 champions Ras shocked Nice in Patrick Vieira's first game in charge, coming away from the Allianz Riviera with a 1-0 win. Dijon left it late to put away Montpellier with a 2-1 away victory. Saint-Étienne have the returning Lois Dioni to thank for their win against Gangon by the same result, as Lille looked a completely different team from last campaign in their exciting 3-1 home win over Rennes. On Sunday, Lyon got off to a winning start with a strong 2-0 win over Amiens, while Bordeaux's miserable summer transformed into a 2-0 defeat to Strasbourg, with Pablo seeing an early red card. And this evening, Paris Saint-Germain saw some youth injected in their side with stars still recovering from the World Cup, but did not fail to impress in their 3-0 win over Caen. Neymar, Adrian Rabiot and Timothy Weyer nabbed the goals that seized the champions, off the mark and that's all for now but for all your latest in the world of french football head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on twitter at gffn we'll start this evening with the opening weekend and it's been an interesting one with plenty of goals plenty of interest although it's been a little bit difficult for us uk viewers to watch and we'll talk about that a little bit later but I wanted to see who has impressed you gentlemen this evening and I start with yourself Eric it's obviously been an action-packed weekend but what team has impressed you so far in that first game?
1: I think it has to be Lille Uh, I think that you know obviously this team had its issues even after Christophe Galtier took over but I think that a summer under this manager we know his talent we know his abilities from what he achieved with Saint-Étienne but to see them playing uh, you know, again, Ren aren't a, you know a, exactly a great defensive team. My apologies, Rich, but uh, to see Lille play with that sort of verve and dynamism, I mean, these are the players. Uh, looking at that midfield of, of Sheikha in particular, Nicola Pepe uh, on, on the right there. These are the players that Lille had been, had bought last summer for those fees. These are these are these are players that are proving their worth. I know Pepe had a decent end of the season, but uh, Sheikha's situation uh, last year was was difficult. Uh, Fode Balotore was. Terrible last year. He, he looked fairly sharp last night as well. Uh, Yassine Benzia, same thing. Mothiba, uh, really a complete team performance. And uh, I, you know, I feel like when I wrote my preview guide for the site that uh, I made the decision to put Leo seventh. I may have seemed risky given their end of the season last year, but uh, I, I feel that my faith in Christophe Galtier, you know, has been massively restored. And I think this performance could really see Leo. Be, sorry, really be a springboard for Lille to continue to push uh, at the margins of the race for Europe.
0: No, I think they were one of the big surprises, Richard. Unfortunately, it came against your own team, but they looked more dynamic. They looked more exciting. Even for Christophe Galtier's side, it seems a little bit strange to say that, but they were just much more adventurous than we saw last season, even with not an, not an enormous amount of difference in, in player personnel. now.
2: Uh, no. Uh, saying that, though, I thought Jonathan Bamber was excellent. I think he's been a, a really top-class signing that, that will have gone under the radar, I think, over the summer. But he's had a couple of pretty solid seasons in in the top flight now. And and, and Lille's recruitment of him was a, a pretty uh, canny piece of business. I thought he, along with Pepe, along with Motiba, along with Benzia, were a really, really um, positive front four full of movement. Everybody seemed to know where they were going. They they seemed to create this sort of, um, th- th- it looked like they'd been playing together far, far longer than they had. The link-up play, I think, between those four was excellent. It caused Ren problems all evening. Um, some of the goals that they scored, terrific goals. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd go along with that Lille would probably uh, one of, if, ne- if not the most impressive performer of the weekend. The only word of warning I would perhaps put on that is that they they opened their account with a really positive three nil win um, last season in uh, first game in charge with a three nil win over Nantes, and and we'll see how that. I'm mean, not not predicting that they're going to have quite as calamitous season, but you yeah, know this is a really positive first step. They now need to make sure that they continue that. Um, uh, you know, as a Ram fan, it was disappointing from Ram to see them play like that. But it, it was all Lille, as far as I was concerned. I don't think Ram played particularly poorly. I think there's there's a little bit of concern at the back, um, which looks like it may be addressed um, in in the remaining weeks that we've got of the transfer window. But Lille were really impressive.
0: Mm. And adding on to that one, Eric, because Rich makes a really great point. Obviously, Leo started terrifically under Marcelo Bielsa last season, but it faded away very quickly. Does this feel a little bit different this time around? This win was a little bit more uh, emphatic in terms of style rather than just the, the scoreline itself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that whew, I mean, we've seen Galtea's success at Sente B prior to being. I hesitate to say negative, but it, it, it's playing on a model of security, playing on a model of having a, a really good spine. We think of Loic Perrin, Stéphane Ruffier, uh, going back a few years, uh, Jeremy Clement and Fabien Lemoyne were a, a really impressive pair of midfielders there. But it got, again, it was all very, a very prosaic approach. But I think that this relies on dynamism, uh, on a lot of interplay, uh, a lot of very technically impressive football. I I think that, again, Rich, I think you encapsulated very well there to say that these players look like they've been playing with each other for quite a long time and had a great relationship. Bomba, I might add, was Sangana free. Uh, That's, you know, from, he's a player Galtier would know well from their time together at Sante. And I think that, you know, this is a team now, I think, of his construction. Uh, I think that he probably would have been frustrated with the departure of Yus Basuma, but I think that on the whole, now these players have bedded into Liga and the under-Gaultier, who's going to have an emphasis on keeping things tight at the back, there is perhaps you know, a good amount of freedom for that attacking play, but also there's, again, a good amount of, of dynamism in midfield, particularly in, in the form of Sheka, who I think you know, wasn't amazing yesterday, but I think that there's a lot more to come from him. I, I think that now that these players are comfortable in this league, and there's another year under their belt. I mean, you look at someone like Mike, Mike Bagnall, uh, is a tremendous goalkeeper on his best, but had some really awful ricks last year. He really had some poor matches, but I think there's more confidence to come from these players. You look at someone like a uh, Benzia or Samoro, in their mid twenties. Now they're being looked at and this side is, they're no longer a prospect. They're looked to lead this team and, and to show maturity and demonstrate the way forward. And I think that Galtier has really got this team uh, on the same page and and thinking about how to move forward and, and, and playing with, with real confidence, uh, a confidence that belies their, their age and, for many of them, a lack of experience in this league.
0: Mm. On two more sides, Rich, that impressed us on this weekend, because there's a fair few that you could probably pick out, but what team are you wanting to talk about today, Rich?
2: Um, <laughs> I want to talk about two teams who we, we will talk about a lot this season and we talked about a lot last season. Um Monaco and PSG, um, opening games. Monaco especially, I think, had a really tricky game uh, on paper. Away at Nantes, under Miguel Cardoso, who who are looking to implement this. It feels like a new brand of football at Nantes, after so long playing this really defensive, negative, but just about effective style of play that they've had under the likes of, of Dez Akarian and, and uh, Ranieri over the recent years. Cardosa has come in, has made some really positive signings that, that indicate that Mont want to change the style of play for the better. Um, and I think Monaco, with all the comings and goings that they had over the summer, um, a lot of us questioning were they going to be the team that would drop out of the top four this season? I think you looked at that and then you looked at the team that Monaco put out, and in their match day squad, I think there was only four players um, over the age of 25, um, across the starting 11 and the, the seven on the bench, so a very young squad, um, and they went out and they put in a very professional performance, not more impressive, you know, they controlled the game really well, had a lot of possession, created chances, but with 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 Salah on the bench, with with Majid Waris Warris on the bench, and Busilier unable to play against his parent club, not really lacked a, a finisher in front of goal. Um, I think Valentin Rangier was guilty of quite a few misses during the game. That um, you know, a more accomplished centre forward probably would have finished and created obviously more problems. I think for Monaco, but Monaco were really clinical um scored at the right times they opened the open scoring opportunist goal from ronnie lopez um rongier then missed a relatively simple chance and from the breakaway uh, on the counter attack that led to Jovetic scoring a second and then falcao um that he's lost none of that six-yard instinct um with a uh, Salah came off the bench to get a a late, a late consolation for non. But I thought that was a really impressive performance from Monaco, and and put out a statement that, you know, you write Monaco off at your, your peril. We've season after season where they've undergone this dramatic uh, sort of cosmetic change in in the volume of players. We've thought, mm, is this the season? Have they done one too many changes? Um, and you know, opening game here. I think they'd have probably had a little bit of worry about, and they've come away with a, a, a pretty handsome three-one win. Um, PSG then tonight, you know, it's it it, it sounds strange to, to to sort of want to bring the focus on them for 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 reasons other than the glamour players, but um, you know, it was again another professional performance. It was perhaps not the starting lineup that we expected to see. There's obviously quite a few missing through um you know obviously returns from the world cup the lats of cavani and Mbappe and uh thomas mounier um a couple out in, through injury as well so it was a young team that that were put out and credit to thomas tuckle you know he he um he was not happy during the game you saw him grimacing and and yelling on the touchline he's not afraid to shout at his players which I think is really refreshing for PSG I think that's exactly what they need um you know, Neymar got an early goal um, off the back of a of a pretty poor um, uh, goalkeeping error from Brees Samba. Um, uh, he then set up Rabiot for a second just before just before half time. Khan rarely threatened. There were a couple of chances. They they hit the post through a, a free kick. But I think, as I say, credit to Tuchel because he was willing to give these youngsters a chance. Which, and again, is something a lot of us have been wanting from PSG. They've got such a talented academy and so many really good, promising young players coming through. And I think it was, I think at, count, at full time, on, the, on the, the 11 that were on the pitch, six of them were 20 or under. Um, uh, you know, and, and several of those players have played very well during preseason. pre-season. You look at someone like Stanley and Sockey played really well in the Trophy de Champion um, last weekend. So it's I think it's promising for PSG. I think it's promising for Tuchel that he's willing to do this. It's promising for Tuchel that you know clearly in a game which PSG were always going to win and always going to win easily he wasn't prepared to he was you know he was prepared to to still you know be yelling at his players that he wants more, he wants better. Um and the, these are exactly the kind of changes that we wanted from PSG. So I think on that basis with then obviously the the high-quality players that have got to come back into this squad, I think it's uh, it's a promising start for Thomas Tuchel.
0: Mm, yeah, giving them some extra depth would definitely help with the with the Champions League push. But let's go back to Monaco quickly, Richard. Well, well, I'll talk to both of you about them. Sorry, Eric. It, if we start with Monaco at least first in terms of what we expected from them, there's obviously a significant change, probably more than the last few years, really. It feels a little bit like... Um, the entirety of that squad now from the uh, 2016 17 seasons gone. It's a lot of young players with an experience, but they again showed their quality, but also the quality of their manager. And then also Paris Saint Germain trying some young players, giving them maybe a little bit more depth for, like Rich says, when those players come back in. But starting with Monaco, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised. I think that, you know, I, I'm not too keen on Monaco. I, I, I think that. I don't think they'll make the top three. I think that the loss of Favino is going to be too difficult for them to sustain this kind of performance, especially once the Champions League com- comes around and there's less of an opportunity to rotate. Uh, I've got serious questions about the defensive solidity of those fullbacks. Uh, you know, Pierre Gabriel, I think, is a player who can be attractive going forward. Borica, I don't. I'm not really familiar with at this point, but I, I think there's certainly a, a lot of work to do for this side, but. Again, you, you know, we saw from Nod this really positive 4-3-3. I think that, that um, Cardoso is a great manager who's really laying the groundwork for something that could be very special for the Kennedy this season, particularly once he gets Boshilia, Juarez, and Sala all on the same page. Uh, eventually, he still looked pretty sharp. I think he's been a great signing from Udinese. But I, I think that in the first half, it looked to be well, maybe not Nod's match to lose, but they were certainly in control. But for again, a relatively callow squad for a squad that don't have a lot of rapport with each other, it is a testament again to just how good a manager Lynner Jardim is to allow this team to withstand Knott's pressure again, finishing from the hosts notwithstanding. Uh, but to also get them get them back back where they need to be by the time the match ended. And this is something that I think is a bit of an undersung quality of Monaco's that that, that a lot, what a lot of Jardim's teams have had. Even if there's a difference aesthetically, if we think back to that team that made the Champions League quarterfinals and lost to Juventus, that's uh, going to be four seasons ago now, 2014 15, uh, there was still this amazing resolve and desire to continue to fight. And it wasn't his, his size, no matter if they were perfect or there was a mistake in them, they had that combativeness and that willingness to keep pressing and keep trying to get the result. I mean, we, I think we think back to that, that final goal that scored in the counter against Arsenal at the Emirates, which ended up swinging the tie. Now we have at this point in time, you know, a, a match that looked maybe to be a draw, uh, even as not uh, not missing their chances, but you know, that 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 continuation, that continued effort showed. And uh, I, I think that, you know, I, let's see what happens when the Champions League group stage starts. But, you know, if Monaco uh, go into September with, say, three wins and a draw, I think they're looking pretty solid then. And I, I think that we, I perhaps may want to revise my prediction of their uh, performance upward. I mean, I know some of these players, and this should, this should be mentioned as well. I think that, whereas in the past, Monaco have brought in a lot of players from other leagues. Uh, we look at Bernardo Silva, Fabinho, uh, uh, Jemerson is not exactly young, but he came from Brazil, cameo Glick. But I think a lot of these players, and this is something that can make the difference, have experience with Ligue 1. Aulu was a fantastic player last year at Strasbourg. Um, and we have uh, Samuel Granser who came off the bench. We have Per Gabriel. Again, these players are young. They, there's still a lot of work for them to do to become the players they potentially can be. But they, they are going to have that level of comfort with Ligue 1 and how they find themselves within the framework of Jardim system still remains to be seen. But I think there's going to be a little bit less of a period of adjustment uh, within this side, even though there has been a lot of turnover from that great team of two years ago, there's still some, there's still there's still enough continuity, at least for players having experience within the league. That I think that you know, perhaps we we, we would be wise not to write Monaco off uh, quite so early.
0: Uh, and on PSG, Eric, the, the Jung players came out tonight. We saw Nsuki obviously do quite well in the uh, Trophy of the Champions as well, but uh, a couple more in tonight, including Timothy Way grabbing his first goal in league and uh, at least uh, this evening. What do you think to maybe them, you know, Tuchel, cool adding those to the mix and adding to that depth that they have without having to sign extra players for expensive fees?
1: I, th- I think it's great to see that happen. And I think that you know, Monaco showed two years ago, again, how that can be even a formula for, for success in the Champions League. These players are well-organized. I, I think that it's, it's a good development. And it's something that we, we saw started under Unai Emery. You know, I, I know he was not the ideal manager of many PSG fans, but Tuchel is following in that mold of having this team well-organized, of developing youngsters. And and improving the young players that are there, we think about the likes of uh, Locelso, Rabio, in, in particular, improving under him, Nkunku, and now, you know, I think we can see that the likes of Nkunku, in particular, uh, Marquinhos, these are players who are regulars in the team, who are going to be dependable and important parts of the team. And Soki, I think, is is a great is a great um, example of that. I think that. You know, I have my doubts about uh, Burnett and, and Dagbo, who started this afternoon or this evening as well. But, um, I, yeah, I think that Nkunku will be an even more important part of the team and Soki, and So-Ki as well. Uh, Wea certainly, I think, I was surprised he actually didn't start this evening. Uh, if the PSG had played that 3-4-3, he would have made sense to leave the line in the absences of Mbappe and Cavani. But there is definitely a positive buzz about this team in terms of, how they can continue to foster these players because i mean this was i mean obviously this some of this is being driven by financial fair play at present but the the frustrating thing to watch psg uh was with a perhaps with the exception of berati they always seem to buy players later in their careers now i get that there's something to name recognition to global branding and like sabrina and unhealthy maria Dani alves uh tiago silva but they're always, as we're seeing now with the FFP issues, there was always a lack of sustainability that we saw there. And I think that now that PSG are looking to that academy, again, President Lokenpembe, once he's back as well, a similar situation of players come to the academy and done very, very well for himself. I think that we are going to see this team maybe not reach the heights they'd like to this season, but finally, finally, after seven, eight years of this QSI project, finally be on a path towards sustainability. And for all their success and for all their trophies, that's not something that I've ever seen in this team. And that's, I think, the difference that they're finally willing to make
0: let's hope that that tradition continues what a benefit it would be to any club to not just be able to attract the best but create the best as well richard one more team i wanted to talk about because i'm pretty sure plenty of people want to talk about him that would be le crocodile um, and nîmes who came back from 3-1 down with 10 men to win 4-3 in their first league game for a long while against angers a, a terrific result for them um it, we questioned whether they maybe had the ability to to really challenge in Liga this season, but that result just showed grit, determination, and or um, a phenomenal result.
2: Uh, it was um, <laughs> after the after I watched the uh, the Lille Rain game last night, I was just looking through the scores. I was like, you know, Angers Nîmes, it, it doesn't jump out as a particularly promising game of, of entertaining or high scoring football, and then you looked and it was. You know, have I read that right? Is that is, is that really Angers three, Nîmes four, and then you you delve into what actually happened during the game, and it was a you know it was a great start for Nîmes, first game back in the top flight, um, an early lead, um, Angers then hit back, and I, I you know I think that was that's encouraging for Angers. I think we all had concerns over where their goals were going to come from um, this season, following the summer sale of Toko Cambe, but. They got they got three three goals in effectively sort of twenty odd minutes either side of half time, and all seemed fine for Angers. You know, win over who was going to be a, a you know a potential can relegation can um, uh, challenger, um, and it was great. And then all of a sudden, um, Neen pulled the goal back. Doubts crept in. Red card. For- <laughs> for Florian Miguel of 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 Neem and you thought, okay, Angers see the game out now. And two goals then in the final three or four minutes and Neem and have turned it around. And it's quite remarkable. I think for Neem, as you as you say, it's it's the it's the resolve, that, that never say die attitude. If if you know if they can put this this kind of effort and and adapt and and use that kind of attitude in every game this season, then absolutely they stand every chance of staying up. And it's it's great to see. I think that would have been very easy to have conceded those three quick-fire goals for their heads to have dropped. I think it would have been very easy for the heads to have dropped again once they went down to 10 men after pulling the goal back. Um, but they didn't. They kept fighting. Um, I think defensively, they're going to be worried for the season ahead. Um, I don't think many teams will concede three goals to Angers this season. So I think that that, from a defensive point of view, they're going to need to work on on um, tightening things up there, but uh, you know, this it's it's the it's what I've what I've what I've named the Blackpool approach. It's well, we'll just score more goals than you, and if that's the attitude that they're willing to take this season, then you know they may go down in a in a sort of blaze of glory, but it will be a brilliantly entertaining season to watch. So, it was a fantastic game, uh, excellent result for Neem. Um, and, and, you know, they can now take all that confidence then into the season ahead, having already got that first win because we've seen countless teams get promoted and, you know, they don't win early on. Very soon that drifts into sort of September, October, November. They still haven't got that win. The, the atmosphere in the squad is, at, you know, sort of rock bottom levels. And, you know, come December, they're pretty much written off. So I think to have got that first win under their belts in the first game and in the manner that they got it will do wonders for the confidence of the team in the games ahead.
0: And let's hope that they can maintain it. Because like you say, you don't want to fall into that Mets trap that they did last season. But credible, great result for Neiman. Let's hope that they uh, can continue entertaining. On to... uh, feisty topic, really, for a lot of teams across Europe, really, and that is VAR, which has come to league uh, this season, but you know, we saw it very <laughs> very early on, really, in the first game for Marseille. Pai's second goal was need an extra look at, and they confirmed it. Um, there's been not great headlines made by it, so far, at least, Eric. But I wanted to talk to both of you tonight about what you thought about VAR coming to French football. Do you think it's the right move for the league?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that, by and large, it was a success, success at the World Cup. Uh, there were certainly some exceptions to that. But I think that, you know, if a tournament with a broad range, with a group of officials with a broad range of experience in terms of level of professionalism in which their home country operates, et cetera, et cetera, can, and, and are new to this technology, can get this technology to operate well for them to make decisions accurately and quickly on the whole. I, I think there's no reason that Ligon could couldn't and shouldn't implement it. I think that you know, perhaps we will see higher, higher goal tallies in France. I think that we certainly saw during the World Cup that was the case. Uh, more goals scored, particularly, being, particularly through penalties and particularly through um, set pieces being being given, sorry, set pieces as a result of more free kicks being given. Um, so I, I think there's a lot to be said for it. I, I think that it'll, it can in, increase interest in the league. I think that, as both of you will, will no doubt know, that Liga has, in some ways, suffered a, as being a league with a particularly negative uh, uh, perception of it. Not negative in that it's a it's a poor league, but that d- a lot of teams tend to tend to hang their hat on being defensively sound and trying to play on the counter. So I think that it could potentially encourage teams to play more on the front foot, knowing that they have. Sort of var as a being on their side, if you will, that that it, if play is broken up unfairly, uh, or that or that there's an extra opportunity for them to get the reward that that they are after. So yeah, I'm I'm positively optimistic about it after the World Cup. Um, the use of it on Friday, I think, yeah, I can see why it generates some controversy, but you know, just as fans of any big club are going to gripe one way or the other about their rivals. I think that, that, you know, a lot of that is down to the focus that is always on Marseille as the best supported club in France.
0: And that's the thing, really, Eric. uh, Sorry, Rich, sometimes is that... um, a lot of people complain about technology coming into the sport, making it more robotic, but at the same time, it it does clear up some of those decisions. It it adds a little bit of drama as well, I suppose when it was used in the world cup, especially, but from evidence on the first weekend, it wasn't really rolled out too often, really, which is maybe the the kind of middle ground that's needed.
2: Absolutely. Um, And when it was called upon it, it resulted in the right decision being made. So, I have zero problems with it coming in, as Eric said. I think, by and large, it was a success at the World Cup. Um, it, it's only going to get better as, as more and more um, leagues become accustomed to it, as more and more players, fans, ultimately referees as well, become accustomed to it. It's only going to get better. Um, and we, you know, ultimately, we want the right decisions to be made. There will be plenty that say, as you say, they don't want the, the, the sort of human error, if you like, to be taken out of, the, out of football. Well, how many times do we have to debate contentious decisions after a game? Um, we don't you know if, if there's a system in place that can help um, you know, eradicate those contentious decisions. Then let's use it and let's give it the time to develop. It will become a far swifter um smoother process at the minute perhaps yes it can be a little labored with you know is a decision being reviewed or not nobody quite knows and then all of a sudden there's a stop in play and the referee then decides actually i'll go and have a look it can be a bit laborious yes but this is the sort of first iteration of it um it's going to be like that it's only going to get smoother and swifter and more efficient so we have to give that time if we don't give it time um, we we may as well just not bother. Um, but I think we've got this we've got this uh, um, you know product, this facility that can that can help the correct decisions be made. Which ultimately, and and not to sound too dramatic, as we're moving into the age where money is king in football, continue to be in that age where money is king in football. If it can help eradicate decisions, which could ultimately, further down the line, have a significant financial impact to some of these teams, you know, say we're in the final day of the season and it's, uh, you know, that penalty decision in the Marseille game is, is the final game of the season and, and uh, you know, it's a, it, it decides whether Toulouse go down or, or another team go down and that proves to be the decisive goal and that, you know, we don't, we don't have VAR, that penalty's not given. Um, you know, that has a financial impact on teams. So, again, again we have to think of that as well. Um, so I'm all for it. Um, I think first weekend it got the decision it needed to correctly. It wasn't called upon too much. I don't think it was particularly intrusive. Um, you know, you sort of forget that the AR is 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 active and is being used half the time. It's so I, I think its use in this in this division this season will be a will go a long way. I think to proving that actually it can be an effective system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope so. But I suppose there'll be still. Some critics eric and france has had a bit of a somewhat tumultuous relationship with technologies before shall we say with obviously the issues with the goal line technology last season that have been sort of partially rectified this year at least do we think that that makes that may be still a worry in the back of minds especially in the in the french public that we've had technology before it's not Quite worked by as expected. Obviously, the tests in Italy and the Bundesliga caused a lot of controversy last season as well. For both of those, a lot of players are against that. Do you think that that might still be sort of a running narrative throughout the season, or or do you hope that with these th- tests that they've done so far, and also they also have had it in the in the in the Coupe the, de the, the la Ligue last season as well, and it, it did relatively well in the game against Montpellier and Monaco from memory that. Maybe France are the ones that maybe adopting it slightly later, and are the ones to maybe the pioneers and, and improve on it.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think that it's <sighs> this will only be true until there's some high-profile gap, which there inevitably will be. And whether it's an Olympico or the Classique or, or whatever, I think that be, there will be contentious moments surrounding video technology, whether it be Gold Line or VAR this season in Liga. But again, there were contentious moments in the World Cup, even even looking back at France's win over, pardon me, Australia, uh, in the opening day of that campaign. Was that a penalty against Griezmann or not? I think that we we have to take a holistic look at this and look at how this is going to improve a game in which you cannot realistically expect three, four officials with the fourth official to keep track of a fast-moving sport in which you have – 22 actors, for lack of a better word. And I, I mean that in well, the literal sense of the word, because there's, all, there's you know, I mean, obviously we have, you know, oh, this person is such and such a player, this person is such, such a player. Well, no matter what their reputation is, there's gamesmanship going on in each and every corner of the pitch. And to expect that to be regulated at speed, accurately, fairly, and quickly by by three men or, or women in the in as the case may be in in for certain officials i, I don't think that that supports the game being played to to, to what it deserves I, I think that it's and i'm not saying that there is anything wrong with gamesmanship and and a, a bit of skullduggery within football i think it enlivens the match i think we all you know like to have a laugh at Pepe falling over in a heap or whatever the case may be, or you know, Tiago Silva playing something up more than more than he ought to. But I think that the issue here is that it's it, it's a positive. And I think that I think that a good, strong, successful season in France, which I'm optimistic about it happening, I think can really go a long way, not only to changing the perception in France, but in the world at large as this being the wave of the future. And if you're not with it you're against it and you're going to look like a dinosaur increasingly as as time goes by with this
0: yeah let's hope that it, it does get off to a good start as, as it already seemingly has done at least anyway to a certain extent and that uh, um maybe as we slowly allow it to grow and uh, i know people want immediate things in this day and age which is the struggle of it but um maybe if we just keep it keep forward let's keep focusing on on fixing it and and getting it as as good as we can get it and eventually we will believe and notice it's there um on to the transfer window now which is still open in Liga, which maybe seem a little strange to our UK listeners, at least anyway, with the door slamming so shut sure very abruptly for them. But uh, there's a couple more weeks left here in France, so let's hit the rumor mill first, uh, Rich, and um, some stuff we've been reporting on this evening. Nice are still looking at a striker. Patrick Vieira has practically confirmed that um, Mari Balotelli does want out. It, whether where he ends up going, we're not. Sure. Um, but we are hearing that, well, before we came on here, it was that um, they're looking to sign either Anthony Modeste or Mizian Maulida from Lille, uh, from Lyon. Sorry. Um, it looks like also there is a report this evening that they will be going for Maulida tomorrow for around 10 million euros. But it's the place that Patrick Vieira needs to improve his side, especially given that they lost to Reims at the weekend. They need someone through the door quickly. Do they go for the more experienced man in Modeste, or do you think that what well, it looks like, Maulida, may be the better option?
2: Well, Maulida, so Nice have announced um, that Maulida, they've reached an agreement with him um, and that he'll be having his medical uh, tomorrow. So he'll be coming in. Um, he is an exciting player. It hasn't quite worked out in terms of breaking through regularly into the first team at Lyon. Um, you're right. They absolutely need strikers. I don't think Maradona should be the only one that they're looking at bringing in. You know, we we saw last season just how many goals it was. It was, I think, it was over thirty goals that Balotelli and Player got between them of the fifty odd goals that Nice scored. So they are in desperate need of goals. We saw that in the in the game last night against Rams. They really struggled. They, you know, they 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 played some good football. Um they got in the positions, but there was no one to capitalize. Now Maurida will be a will be a you know, a really good prospect and a lot of excitement, a lot of pace, a lot of freshness from you know, he's he's very young. Will he be guaranteed you know, sort of 12, 13, 14 goals? I'm not so sure. I don't as I say, I don't think Maurida should be the only player um in that in that sort of center forward position they look at bringing in whether they also look at still don't rule out bringing in modest as well um you know he obviously had a a good time of it in germany um is looking to come back now to to europe so yeah he could be he could still be someone so the signing of malida i don't think should necessarily rule out further um acquisitions in that area for nice and i i really don't think it should um but you know, if Maulida can be you know, half the player that Alessand player was, sort of the the last sort of youth um, starlet that um, that Nice brought from Leon, then then they'll have a they'll have a good deal. But I just have reservations whether Maulida will be able to generate the goods on his own.
0: And that's the interesting one, Eric. Obviously, you would have seen him a little bit more, at least. But do you think that relying so, uh, at this point with Maulida practically through the door, do you think that they can rely on him solely to be the goal source, or, or maybe someone like Modesta, more experienced man in the in the fold, in front of him may help him grow?
1: Yeah, I. I the tricky uh, thing about this is that Maulida wasn't really played as a striker at Lyon last year. He was used more off the left when they were playing a 4-2-3-1. Um, and he was a very impressive player, uh, but I kind of question whether, especially if Nice do play that 4-3-3, which Vera seems pretty set on, I do question whether he has the physicality to lead the line on his own. I, I think that as his team is currently composed, maybe I'd look at Ganago or LeBion if they can't bring in Modeste, and they would have more of a goal threat, certainly from uh where he'd be played on the left. Uh, but then you, you would have to deal with some of these some of these younger wide players not not featuring and whether they would begin to be impatient with that. You have already the trio of Boston Ferrography, uh, Alan Maximin and Isan Sako, each of whom are young, 21, I think came to Nice with the idea that they would they would improve their standing and get quite a bit of playing time. So in concert with that, I, I think that Vieira needs to be very mindful, again, if he's sticking to that 433 of how how this sets up, because Malita again can't lead the line, for me. If that's Vera's intention, great. I think that Playa worked well in terms of leading the line when he when he did so in, in Balotelli's absence. But he's also, pardon me, a much more different player than is Malita. You know, Malita is a player who I, I don't think has he has much of, much of the energy and the pace, but he doesn't have necessarily uh, the. Well, I mean he's. 19 years old. He doesn't have the physical strength that other players do. So it's, it's going to be a lot more difficult to be thrust in the situation and immediately re- be to be relied upon like a fantastic move for Nice in terms of developing players for the developing a, like an exciting player for the future. But, um, if that's going to be all that uh, nice have in terms of striking it, that's does go. Um, I think Europe's out of the question and I might even potentially be worried about their uh, safety in the gun.
0: Mm, and that's an alarming thing for Patrick Vieira to walk in because looking at that starting 11 for the weekend, it, it seemed considerably weaker from last season. It's a, a bit of a worry. Um, on to further news, really, that, that seems to be coming through and, and sort of confirmed from Schalke's end. But we've yet to hear from, from Paris Saint-Germain. Their sporting director, Christian Heidel, says that uh, defender Tilo Kera will be joining Paris Saint-Germain for a reported 37 million euro fee uh, Rich a bit of a left field move really I know uh, Paris Saint-Germain maybe needed an extra couple of, of defenders really to especially his cover but that's a lot of money to be spending on a 21 year old that isn't guaranteed a starting place isn't it?
2: Um, it is. It, it sort of came out of nowhere really um, I think I read um, I think it was Jonathan Johnson was, was pointing out that this was almost a transfer that Antero Henrique, the, the PSG sporting director, didn't really know about almost, which which seems remarkable if true. Bearing in mind the sort of level that he's got involved at um, with 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 transfers over the summer, um, I mean it, it, it seemed as though we were heading down the um, uh, the route of of Jerome Boateng. There just seemed to be a little bit of of, of concern over over getting to. Um, between the two clubs agreeing on a price, um, yeah, I'm. I, it's it's one of those transfers that's they've suddenly just dropped a lot. I mean, you know, by all accounts, he's a very promising defender, and and it, in the long run, yes, it should be a, a great move. But that much money for a 21 year old? When you know we were just talking about the quality of the youngsters that were coming through, it, it seems a it seems a, a strange one. We know that they need. Um, defensive cover, um, you know, if Tuckle is prepared to be giving these young players within the squad and within the academy a chance, it seems strange that if they are going to be restricted through financial fair play on exactly what they can spend this summer, why they wouldn't be dropping that kind of money on a position where they perhaps don't have much coming through the academy, i.e. that defensive midfield position where, you know, they're continuing to play um Lusana Diara who who is not a player to no surprise is not a player for the future. I don't think he's a player that would be um you know part of a of a Champions League winning squad if he's if he's in the in the starting eleven. Um so it's an odd one. it is it, an odd one. It's a lot of money um to to sign a, a player that maybe with the indication that we saw tonight and, and last weekend in the Trophy of the Champion, do they need to be spending that kind of money on a central defender after all? And it's, as I say, it's a curious one. I mean, we'll we'll see how that pans out.
1: I think, for me, I think what, what they're trying to say with this is that PSG are going to play three at the back this season. I think there's no other answer. You have that sort of money and you're not going to spend it on a defensive midfielder. It's going to be some variation of a 3-4-3 without an orthodox defensive midfielder. The DR can cover, add cover at those three center back positions. And you're going to rely on some combination of Lo Celso, Verratti, and Rabio to play central central midfield, maybe in Kunku as well. And I think that that's a really big intent in terms of a shift of, of tactical intent, given that this team has been so closely wedded to 4-3-3 since that QSI takeover. Uh, so I think that that's really to me a big statement in terms of the club giving faith in uh, Tuchel to build to build this team in a new system going forward. And, and again, it's a system which certainly works. And we saw well, we saw Barcelona use <laughs> that same 343 degree effect uh, a, a couple years ago in the Ramant- La Ramontara. And I think that I think that there's a lot of potential there, and particularly as it would keep uh, that uh, main triumvirate of Kimpembe uh, Silva and and uh, Marquinhos all happy, and you'd have uh, Kerr and perhaps uh, uh, Diarra as well as backup as well as Nsoki, and you've got a good amount of depth there. And uh, it also, I think, frees the the fullbacks of a, a, a good deal of their defensive responsibility. We know that Kurzawa is fantastic going forward, maybe not so much tracking back. Something similar can be said of Alves. So, I I like this move. I, you know, I I, I only saw Shalkid. Three or four times last year, Kara did particularly stand out for me, but I think that I think there's a lot to be said for this again, marking a real turn, a real turning of the page for PSG in terms of giving this team a coherence to move forward and to have progression, and not just you know spend money without much uh, forethought, uh, transfer window after transfer window.
2: I, I also wonder whether it's perhaps an indicator of, it's obviously thinking for the long term, you know, Thiago Silva is, is 33, 34 in, in a month's time. Um, is this perhaps an indicator that we, we've started to see a few more injuries creep into his game? Is this perhaps an indicator that they're not going to be planning on playing him as often? Yes, he's, he's club captain, but, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be an automatic starter. Maybe it's an indicator of actually, yeah, we'll play the three at the back, which certainly is what Tuchel is, has been fairly, fairly um, obvious in his in his planning and, and and what he's been saying over the summer. But yeah, I, I think the 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 only thing this can indicate to me is maybe Thiago Silva is not going to be playing every single game maybe he will be saved primarily for those bigger games. Whether you question whether he actually performs in those bigger games or not is a, is a separate conversation. Um, but to me, it indicates that that is perhaps something that's on Tuchel's mind. Maybe even longer term with a view that, uh, you know, whispering it, maybe this is Thiago Silva's last season with with, with PSG. We've obviously seen, you know, Thiago Motta has now retired. We've seen Pastore move on. He's sort of the last of that initial batch of, 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 of recruits. Um, maybe it's a sign, you know, I'm not saying that that's the case, but maybe it's a sign that this could be his last season. You know, he may want to consider, okay, well, at 34, I've still got the possibility to move on and, and you know, look at someone like Ibrahimović who, who has still got a couple of years of success out in America. Maybe he's got that on his mind, and this—I think if that's the case, this signing makes a lot more sense.
0: Yeah, it just feels like we we'll, we'll mentioned that financial fair play is in there, and they've they've really sort of tightened the belt for this summer at least anyway when they we thought that they may bring in a midfielder that it's a real statement to, to spend that amount on a, on a player who does have a lot of talent there's no doubt about that but uh, it seems like a, a heavy investment in a player this summer when they maybe could have spent it next summer but uh, we'll wait and see, uh, let's talk about the window so far then really, it's been an interesting one for Liga and both for, for players coming in and coming out but I wanted to get an idea of your guys' favourite deals. I'll start with you, Eric. What's been your favourite deal that you've seen come into Ligue 1 this summer?
1: I really like the signing of Alou by Monaco. I think that this is a player with very, very little uh, professional experience. I think uh, 2016-17 with Orléans was the first time that he played professionally. He's an academy product of Lille, an Ivorian player. and I I think that what we saw from him for Strasbourg was so impressive. I really had wanted Lyon to sign him, honestly, to give more depth to that midfield, given his Versatility, but I think that that Monaco rightly rec- recognized that that move and 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 really moved well to to bring him in. The other signing that I would I would highlight, I, I think we already mentioned earlier on the show, is is Bamba Talio from Saint-Etienne on a free. I think this is a player who has a lot of similar qualities to Nicola Pepe in terms of his versatility, ability to switch positions, pace, uh, dribbling ability. And I think that that's that's really Im- impressive as well. So I think those two, for me, I know that they're not into Liga from out of Liga, but I, th- I think that that's that's uh, that's the one. If we're talking players coming into Liga, I, I really like the signing uh, of uh, Lucas Evangelista uh, for non. I think that he's going to add a lot of dynamism to that midfield. And you know, it didn't happen for them on Saturday, but I-, I think that they showed a lot of very very encouraging signs. So once that squad is is at full strength with Juárez. Achille and Salah, I think there's a lot to be to be seen from Nant this season.
0: Rich, what have you liked to, so far in this transfer window?
2: Um, well, yeah, I mean echoing what I said earlier in the podcast, Bamba, yeah, really good signing, I think for Lille. Um, I think him, I think Remy, and I think the experience that that uh, he's not necessarily going to play every, but the experience that Jose Font can bring at the back. Um, I think will be an excellent trio of signings for a variety of reasons. Um, as Eric said, I thought Lucas Evangelista was a, was a good signing. I thought he was excellent in the game against Monaco. He was controlling that midfield. He was willing to get forward. Um, he had a couple of opportunities, especially in the first half um, that, uh, you know, maybe slightly more composure. He would have, he would have um, troubled the goalkeeper a little bit more, but he's looked a good signing. And, um, yeah, I think um uh Clement Grenier, sorry, I lost where I was thinking there. Clement Grenier, I think he has had a he obviously had an excellent time with Gangon, got the move to Wren. Um he's looked positive um throughout the summer, um, in season Clearly has got um, you know, he's got no worries now about the the injuries. Um he's had, you know, a good length of time now playing with, with without any knocks. Um I thought he was probably one of the few bright sparks for Ren in that defeat to to Lille. Took his goal really well. Um and I think once once they can get him playing behind Jordan Sebatu who who missed out um in that game. It was this of the ineffective the Sacco that played instead. I think him behind Sebatu will be a uh, an excellent um front two and I actually think he could probably create a little bit more than than maybe Wabi Kazri did for Wren last season, I think his all-round game, um, which I think would include his temperament, um, exceeds that, I think, on balance over Kazri. I think Kazri probably has um, higher peaks, but unfortunately also has deeper troughs. Um, and I think the balance and composure that, that Grenier can, can bring to that team, with the range of passing that we know has got the... The obviously expertise at, at set pieces that he's got as well, and and his his natural finishing, um, I think for for the sort of three three and a bit million that he was signed for was an absolute bargain. So um, I'm really hoping that we can continue to see Grenier get back to his best,
0: especially when he grabbed that goal of the weekend. Though it really lovely take on that finish. Now, there's a few that I quite like. I, I think I've mentioned before. that I, I'm a big fan of Raniel pierre gabriel i think that's a good move for for monaco especially if all uh, well, the right backs look like they may be leaving the club he's a really tidy right back that could be a real special one if nurtured correctly and the one i think we've mentioned on the on the previous show as well in nolan rue at Gangon. but if he can perform like he did at metz that's a terrific signing for them to get an extra striker that can get the goals up there for them and uh, be really great to see if he can recreate that form. Very quickly from you gentlemen I just wanted to also get one that maybe left you scratching your head. Since I've dropped this one on you I'll, I'll go with mine first at least and that's Yassine Bamu um, to call. Uh, they've brought in a number of strikers this summer uh, Ninga, uh, Crivelli obviously who they had on loan as well and Bamu comes in as well as they try and replace Santini who's left to Andelect. but it just feels like they've just had a shotgun approach at this and Bamu's had a couple of poor years at not Nau- he never really quite held down a, a, a role there couldn't grab the goals that they needed um and he's fighting with ningo who is i think a much better striker when he can stay fit and when he goes on his on his spells of goals he's very similar as well in, in as craveli but um neither a great goal scorers. it just feels like they were maybe trying a little bit too hard to just try sign anyone and i just fear that bamu might have been a Uh, a poor signing that may see them really, really struggle this season. They did look poor today and and made some real big mistakes, which you can't do against the big sides anyway. uh, Eric, uh, who was a head-scratcher for you? Is there anyone uh, that's come through to to a league inside that you're thinking that that doesn't really improve their standing?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I would have to say that I I think that Furman and Dombele going to Toulouse I, I don't get that. I, I know there wasn't much money involved in the deal. I think it was 1.8 or or two million euro, but which is money in Ren's pocket. But why, if you're bringing in Matthew DeSevy, I know after afterwards, why why sign this player permanently? Uh, you already have the admittedly not very impressive Cor Jean on that wing as well. Flouzé are going to struggle this season, uh, and I, I don't think Mbella gives them anything more going forward. And that's, I think that one in particular stands out. Um, the other one, perhaps, is uh, is uh, uh, Johansson going to Rennes. Uh, I, I know he's currently injured. He, he does have some decent international experience, but I, I, I worry if if Lamucci thinks he's going to be a part of that midfield, how that's going to – he's certainly not over Benjamin Andre. Could that potentially affect the development of uh, Lea Sleake, who I think had a really good season last year and really looks to be kicking on even further this season? So that's just a curious signing. I know it's just for depth. You've already got, got Clement on there as well. I just, I'm not, I'm not really sure what the thinking there is uh, on Ren's part.
0: Rich, what, if you had anything that's made you think that that seems like a, a strange move.
2: Um, well, it's, it's a slightly left field one. And I do this only because of the description of the player that I was given by a, a, a journalist friend of mine. And this is Rafael Kazawa, who's a who's a Polish uh, left winger who signed for Amiel. The only reason I include him is that, and I stress, he's a left winger. And this was the description of of, of his play from his time. Um, he's a left. So he's a left winger who isn't quick, isn't aggressive, and can't dribble. Um, and I think if you're looking for a winger, I think they're probably three characteristics you'd probably look for most. The ability to be quick, the ability to be aggressive, and the ability to dribble. So I think if you've signed a player who perhaps lacks in all three of those departments, maybe you've not signed the right player. Um, I think uh, on slightly bigger names, um, I think maybe Jimmy Brion to Bordeaux has a a whiff of, of desperation maybe about it. Um, You know, he was managing pretty well at Gangon. Um Looked like he was set to move over to the MLS with, um, uh, with Remy Gard at, at Montreal. That didn't materialise. He then suffered the wrath of, of Antoine Combouare for daring to move to another league and club, which apparently there was a, a gentleman's agreement that he wouldn't do. But with Bordeaux in desperate need of of, of players, but clearly... Not financially going to be concerned because they've obviously got the money from the Malcolm sale, but with 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 Gus Poyet so desperately again screaming and pleading with his with his board to bring players in, I'm not necessarily sure that Jimmy Brion was the player that he was uh, anticipating bringing in. And as I say, I think it just there's a smell of desperation about it of of, you know, here's a player, now shut up Poyet, and get on with it kind of thing, which telling Poirot that won't end well. So that's just a, a, a sign, and I think that just leaves me just questioning what's the plan there for, for Bordeaux.
0: Mm, I think that's there's more than just us saying that one at the moment, Rich, for the Leger Ronda, I'm sure they they may be in for maybe another tricky season. Very quickly, on to our league snapshots to finish this evening. Eric, what's your snapshot from this week? Is there something that maybe our we've missed out that, that our audience needs to know about?
1: Uh, have a look at Memphis Depay's free kick uh, goal for Leon. I, I think that, that uh, <laughs> <laughs> this performance per, per, against Amiens perfectly encapsulated all we come to know, love, and hate about Depay. Uh, he was brilliant for about 90 seconds, goal and assist, but Frustrating otherwise playing in in the in the role behind the two strikers uh, behind Diaz and uh, Traor it was there was today, but Oh free kick goal uh, posted stamp to the opposite corner from about 20 yards out slightly left to the goal Very well worth your time uh, to track that down if you were not among those watching the match if you had Liverpool or something else on your screen at this at that point in the day
0: Yeah, absolutely and if- Perfectly leads on to your topic, Rich, really. Because if you're a UK fan, just to point you in the right direction for highlights, Liga does have an English YouTube channel. They tend to upload it around about now, as we're recording, about 11 o'clock UK time, uh, midnight French time, onto the YouTube channel. Plenty of highlights on there. If you're missing the Liga highlights show, because, Rich, uh, UK TV, we're still having to watch it in small postage stamps on Bet365's <laughs> website.
2: Uh, we are it's it, it's crazy isn't it um it's it's been a long it's been an ongoing saga of league and rights in in the uk were are up at the end of the of, of last season um bt sports who who were the the broadcaster in the uk who had the rights um have, have dilly-dallied have not really said anything have have kept many subscribers waiting who've allowed New subscribers to come on board after the success of France at the World Cup, and and obviously the the big name players that Ligue has, the likes of Neymar and Mbappe. Um, so there's inquisitive people, um, all the players that leave Ligue Maybe there's people that have signed up because they want to see, um, you know, who, who's who's the next player that's going to make the move. Um, and 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 basically, BT have just been silent on the issue. Um, nothing about a deal. Um, they've obviously lost um, Serie A to Eleven Sports, this um, new broadcaster in the UK, who've been on a mission to sign up various uh, various leagues. They they won La Liga of Sky Sports as well. They've also they've also got the um, the UFC at the start of next year. So they're obviously meaning business. Um, but Leegin has been left in limbo, um, having contacted BT Sport last week. I was told that at present no new deal had been arranged as of yet, indicating that maybe all is not over. But we're now week one into the season and nothing's happened. There's been no broadcast in the UK. We've got um, you know British commentators on the world feed who are you know experts in the in the field of league and nobody in the UK is able to to hear it unless you are willing to to create a you know an account with a betting site. Where well, you obviously have to deposit, uh, I guess ten pounds to open it up, and you're limited to a what a fifth of the screen. Um, and it just it, it seems crazy. It seems as though if any time the league and rights were going to be renewed by a, you know, a big British broadcaster, it would have been after the summer that we've had, um, you know, with so many players again moving from league into the the Premiership and to the Bundesliga and La Liga. It's still a league that's in demand from from a player perspective, and ultimately, it's the home league of the world champions, with some of the biggest names in world football playing week in, week out. So the fact that it's not broadcast by a major TV broadcaster in the UK, I, I frankly think, is shameful. Um, so, I mean, we're hoping that that all's not lost. I think we're hoping that that. Between BT, Sky and, and this 11 sports, maybe somebody can can recognise that there is a demand for it. I noticed that during last night's multiplex, um, BT Sport, instead of showing one of those games of which any, they could have picked any and it would have been a really entertaining game, 7pm on a Saturday night. Instead, they show repeats of, and, and I stress this is no offence to these sports, but they show repeats of some drag racing from the US, and the repeat of a uh, Aussie rules game from that morning. Now, I'm fairly confident that a league and game would have been of more interest and had had bigger viewership than either of those. So, the fact that they are not willing to negotiate on this deal would seem to indicate to me that they've realised they probably spent a bit too much on securing Premier League and Champions League. Of which they are the exclusive broadcast of the Champions League in the UK. Uh, they've spent a bit too much, I think, on securing those rights. So it's it's a shame that so many people are going to miss out. But one final, very, very quick snapshot. I I I, I see um Eric's Memphis Depay free kick and I raise you Wabi Casri's goal. Um fantastic. Uh, okay. Yeah. hopefully okay. <laughs> Fant- it was a it was a fantastic Lois Diony, who I thought was really impressive. Comeback game after a loan spell. Didn't really work out for Bristol City. He got a goal and his assist for Kasri, which was a really deep crossfield ball, which Kasri connected with on the volley back across goal. It was a fantastic goal um, and I think one well worth checking out.
0: Absolutely. And check out all the goals, like I say, on Liga's YouTube channel. That's going to be where you need to go, UK fans. And I just hope someone can pick them up soon. It's been a desperate summer, really, for the European football. We're waiting to see what 11 sports coverage will be of the likes of the Serie A and, and La Liga as well. We're still, he's got Bundesliga on BT Sports, but come on, someone pick up League on football because it's going to be a cracking season if this weekend was any evidence. And, you know, there's a case of Neymar and the new young player of the well, player of the nation, player of the world really in the Kylian Mbappe. But that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Eric, Rich and all of you listening at home. Do join us for the preview show on Thursday on its first return and the main show will be back here at the same time, same place next
1: week. A and goodbye.